I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Okay, so I am very excited to tell you that we have a theme tune now, as you may have already heard or may be about to hear. I don't know how we're going to play that. <laughs> but it's by it's by my very talented friend, James Draper, who um, tweets under the handle Red Jam Spear because it's an anagram. He's our kind of nerd. Um, <laughs> and yeah, he put this wonderful thing together. I very much enjoyed the QI vibes I got from it. <laughs> yeah, me too. That is precisely what I asked for. <laughs> I asked for it to have like a comforting BBC quality to it because... That's my vibe, I guess. I mean, I'm secretly hoping we can we can get um, an Andy and a Dan, and then we can have our own No Such Thing as a Fist podcast. We've got the yeah. whole set then. Absolutely. We can finally oust them from the top spot. <laughs> it's very much the goal. The cuckoo in the nest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a reasonable one. A reasonable one. Uh, but yeah, let's get started on the podcast proper. Hello and welcome to What's in a Name, the podcast all about names, how they came about and what they're made of. I'm Anna. And I am James. And if you've ever spent time scanning around a map to find funny place names, you'll know there's some very amusing villages out there. But what about the big boys? (laughs) We're so used to the names of cities, they sound natural, like an immutable fact of the universe, but they're not. So let's pick them apart with today's theme, cities. Uh, See, I wrote in the script, please be effortlessly funny and charming, and you managed it. So I'm I'm very glad. I used all 20 seconds of my prep time very well. Would you like to uh, to get us started? How many have you got? How many have I got? Uh, I've got quite a few. Some of them are quite sparse. I started off as I was compelled to with London. Do you know, I thought you might have. I have two favourite cities, London and New York. And New York's etymology is not what I would describe as complicated. Fair. I went the opposite direction. I looked up London. I can say it's not very satisfying. Basically, there's been a city called something like London or a settlement called something like London in the rough location of London for so long that history has totally lost its origins. Yeah. There are a couple of interesting theories. Uh, One is that there was once a King Ludd who controlled the area that was known as London, Mm -hmm. and the city is named after him. There isn't a lot of evidence for that, though. What, What we have comes from the 12th century, which is long after London was a thing. You know, you have to be a bit careful with that. Absolutely. I, I love the fact that it goes so far back. You get the serious time fog going on there. Anything that goes beyond a certain a few centuries, we can handle it. But thousands of years, the time fog sets in and who knows? Yeah. I mean, one of the interesting things about London is that it's not been a continuous settlement since then. Mm. Like there was a big gap where they sort of abandoned it, basically, and went, nah, you know, the Romans have gone. 
there's nothing here but it, it regrew around the old roman settlement so i find that really cool oh wow you can't keep london down apparently mm-hmm. even building the m25 around it has not prevented its growth i love that and so there is there is one other um theory that is a more recent one apparently it's a derivation of a celtic word which is london yon okay <laughs> So I like that idea that there was a third syllable to London that has been, (laughs) (laughs) like, chopped off. Because we're lazy. But I do like the idea, if we're chopping off syllables, in the future it's just going to be called Lon. I like that. Yeah, the time fog does sit in something chronic. I'm I'm fascinated by that. I mean, that's one of the things I like about cities, is how much history there is Mm. concentrated in one location. Loads, mate. You can't move for history. It's it's fitting that it comes in the etymology. Yeah, (laughs) it's just everywhere. (laughs) Lining the streets. So, I mean, that's all I've got on London. I'm interested to hear what, which one you've picked. Well, I think you raised a very interesting point about how London's got such an interesting, rich, deep history going back so far, whereas, for example, New York has nothing. So I picked New York. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because actually I did find something interesting in there. Now, it's fairly common knowledge that New York was originally called New Amsterdam. Um, because it was settled by... Well, it depends what you mean by originally, doesn't it? Well, it does depend by originally. Yeah, absolutely. I have to admit, I didn't look into the uh, the Native American Indian sort of terminology for it. And I'm going to I'm gonna touch on some of, uh, some of that stuff later, but I didn't find it for New York. But yeah, it was settled by the Dutch in 1624, mm-hmm. and they called it New Amsterdam. Uh, the British took it in 1664 and named it after the Duke of York, called it New York. Not after the place York, weirdly. And then in 1673, the Dutch took it with 21 ships, named it New Orange, kept it for a year, and then ceded it to the British under the Treaty of Westminster. <laughs> okay, I did not know that. That I didn't know. It was called New Orange. The Big Apple was called New Orange. <laughs> I think that's neat as heck. That is. That, I'm genuinely surprised I didn't know that, because I one of the podcasts I listen to near religiously is uh, The Bowery Boys, which is a New York history podcast. It's never come up. Oh. It's interesting. I mean, it was only a year, not long in the great scheme of things, but I just think it's cool. And uh, that's all I've got on the subject. I just wanted to tell you it was called New Orange. Well, you taught me something about New York, so that in itself is impressive. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm going to stick with uh, Britain because, you know, nationalist that I am, famously. <laughs> <laughs> sure, sure. Racist James, they call him. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm going to cut that out. <laughs> That's fair. So the the closest city to where I lived growing up was Coventry. For a start, Coventry has this really interesting phrase associated with it. Are you aware of the phrase uh, sending someone to Coventry? I am indeed. I read a lot of Enid Blyton growing up. There you go. That's the kind of place you would have heard it, yeah. Mm-hmm. So for the benefit of anyone who did not read a lot of Enid Blyton growing up and was out, you know, having fun and... <laughs> having friends. Yeah, having That's friends. That's what I thought you were going to say. And I was like, fair, fair, go on. <laughs> So um, being sent to Coventry is when you are shunned by uh, friends and family because during the English Civil War, prisoners who were loyal to the crown uh, during the, the interregnum, is that what we call it? During the Republic, the very brief British Republic. The cromwell bit. Yeah, the Cromwell bit, uh, were sent to prison in Coventry. Okay. That I can think of no harsher punishment than to be sent to Coventry. <laughs> <laughs> but um, So the etymology of the name, though, I find really quaint which is that um the theory is that it's derived from uh the word coffantry which is literally as it sounds um a melding of the words coffer and tree and the idea was that there was 
basically a guy called Coffer who lived in the area and who said like the outskirts of my land is this tree and so they were like over by Coventry and that's why it's Coventry oh wow okay oh I like the the natural boundary part it is just based on the etymology of the words but I if that is true I think it's really cool that whoever Coffer was this antisocial guy who was like no that's that's my (laughs) bit you stay over there is is remembered I like that for him. Yeah. I'm sure he's got a very happy ghost <laughs> telling people to get off his land. Okay, nice. I'm going a bit further afield for my next one. Have you done? Yeah, I am finished. Grand. So I want to talk about Canberra. In Australia. In Australia. Uh, the word Canberra, there are so many different theories as to what it might mean and where it might come from. So I'm not going to be able to offer you a definitive version. I just wanted to talk about the, the many possibilities we've got here. Mm-hmm. It's stated as fact in some places that it's defined that it's derived from the word Canberra, meaning meeting place. In the old, um, okay, I'm going to try and pronounce this correctly, Ngunawal language of the lo- local Nagabri people. Mm-hmm. I probably got that horribly wrong. I apologise. I'm open to correction. Um, but yeah, so it was meant to mean meeting place. Um, another theory put forward was that it means the space between a woman's breasts. <laughs> okay. So cleavage. <laughs> uh, but that was claimed, I believe, by journalist John Gale in the 1860s. And it referred to the mountains, Mount Ainsley and the Black Mountain. There's apparently a gap between them. And Canberra was thought to be named after that. I think that's a little far-fetched. Yeah. I think it's unlikely that it means cleavage. Sounds like he wrote that one-handed. <laughs> right, it does. It does. Um, yeah, it was thought to mean corroboree, ground... Uh, which refers to the seasonal migrations of the people to feast on the moths that pass through. The moths? Moths. Okay. As in lepidopterists' interest that pass through the region each spring. That also seems... I don't know. I don't know enough about corroborees to to say one way or the other on that. It might mean the head of the river. It might mean... um, It might be named after the bird kookaburra or laughing jackass. And it there's so many different languages that it could come from, and I, I doubt I can pronounce a single one of them properly, so I'm not going to attempt that. Um, but I think it's more likely, from what I'm reading, that it actually has a bit more of an Anglophone origin. Go on. There was a Canberry cottage on the land, um, and the land was before that called Canberry, with an M. Mm-hmm. Uh, it might be named after Canberry and Kingston-upon-Thames, or it might be named after Canberry and Kent, Uh, honestly those sound more likely to me but then that's perhaps a bias because of what i know more about yeah but i just thought it's really interesting that the time fog can set in so quickly because all of our messing around with um the antipodean areas has been relatively recent yeah i mean it is it is interesting how quickly the origins of these things get lost because it's like you would assume you would assume that it's a big deal to to start a city and to to state your claim and yet no one ever says like hey here's the start of the story it, it makes me wonder like maybe very early on the cities have like conflicting names and like one wins out eventually i think especially in places where there's been colonialization mm-hmm. there are inevitably conflicting names and conflicting delineations conflicting borders yeah um so history in that case really is written by the winners um, America perhaps have more clear-cut versions of that. A lot of their cities are named after military victories, military leaders, um, whoever founded and settled them. But yeah, I, it's not always that... Um, there's not always a pin you can put in a timeline and say this is when the name changed. 
Where would you like to take us now? I am going to take us back to America. The city of Los, Los Angeles. What do you understand Los Angeles to mean? Um, the angels, right? Do you know which angels? I looked it up briefly, but I can't remember because wasn't the original name really long? The original name is very long. I was very surprised to discover that <laughs> the full name of Los Angeles. Okay, hit me. So it was originally a small uh, pueblo um, named in Spanish. Al Pueblo de Nuestra Señora La Reina de Los Angeles de Porcincula, which means the town of Our Lady, the Queen of Angels in Porcincula. And Porcincula was um, a town in Italy. Okay. And you're saying that uh, that name didn't stick for some reason. Yeah, for some reason. The thing that I find interesting is that it, um, the Los Angeles part is the bit that's stuck. <laughs> Yeah. Like, yeah. why was that? Why was that the part where they were like, "Yeah, let's let's stick with that." So it's the house of the lady who's the queen of angels. Yes, the town of the lady. The town of the lady who's the queen of angels. Yes, and we've just gone. So the angels, huh? Yeah, I listened to the last bit you said. Like, like many Catholic names, it is the lady they're talking about is the Virgin Mary. Yes, she's every woman, like the song says. <laughs> like the song says. <laughs> Um, and interestingly, it wasn't actually the town that was named that to begin with. It was uh, the river that they found. They founded the town on the river. The river itself got the name the Porcincula River. So they went with a different direction ah. for that. Oh, I like that. Okay, that's really interesting. Yeah, so you have these two things that were originally named after the same thing. Do you know what? I have the feeling that that's going to help me win a pub quiz one day. I don't know why. <laughs> the Porcincula bit, that's going to be... I'm going to stash that away in my brain bank. All right, so next up, I've got Tokyo. Ooh, this is, this is going to interest me because I know nothing about these. Excellent. Okay, so it was originally called Edo, which means estuary. That I knew. <laughs> Settled a long time ago, around 3000 BC, and it was fortified in the 12th century. When Edo Castle was built in around the 1450s. So it became the base of power for the Tokugawa shogunate for over 250 years. Mm-hmm. Because they sort of settled there, the city prospered, did really well. Um, the shogunate was eventually overthrown, like I say, over 250 years later. Um, in 1868, the emperor Meiji, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, he moved his residence to, he moved his residence to the imperial palace there. And he renamed it Tokyo, spelt T-O-K-I-O here, but of course that's a transliteration. Um, and that means East Capital. Mm. Interestingly though, it was never officially made the capital, so some people insist Kyoto still has that thing. <laughs> the thing I like about Kyoto is that its syllables are Tokyo reversed. Yeah, me too. <laughs> it's it's like if we up. had a city up the road called Donlon. <laughs> that would be hilarious. So yeah, um, Tokyo is one of those cities that has a pin on the timeline where you can say this is when its name changed, and I quite like that. Makes things a lot simpler for us. I, w- I wish I had more on Japanese names now. Very well. What else have you looked into? So I, I tried to stick with some of the European ones. Um, Paris. So Paris was another one I looked at. Because um, I was mm-hmm. like, well, Paris is one of the the major cities of Europe, right? Surely they know what Paris is named for. <laughs> You'd think. <laughs> I mean, in this case, they do. But the the answer is possibly not as interesting as I was hoping. Okay. So there was an earlier settlement on the site of Paris uh, called Lutetia Parasorum, which was named for a Gaulish tribe that lived there. So the original word for it was Parisi in Latin. So I thought, well, what's Parisi mean? Um, It's from the Gaulish parios, meaning cauldron. Okay. So Paris is named after a cauldron. Oh, wow. 
That's pretty cool. Yeah. Or rather, it's named, yeah, indirectly named after a cauldron. And what is a city if not a, a giant melting cauldron? That is very true. The old melting pot. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Okay. I'm glad you think so, because otherwise <laughs> that would have been too tenuous to stand. I have a couple more. I'll do Minneapolis. Yes. Ooh, interesting. So Minneapolis is a city in Minnesota, so you can guess already that there's going to be some um, related words there. Is that like opolis as in, what is it, Greek for... Yes. for- for city that's right so it's one of our hybrid words now we've talked a lot of smack about latin and greek making ugly babies together (laughs) (laughs) i don't actually mind it but i've decided to double down on that latin and greek should never mix yeah absolutely for no reason um that's the hill we're gonna die on (laughs) sure why not at least we're dead (laughs) (laughs) yeah but minneapolis is a hybrid word between um a native american uh sioux word a dakota sioux word and that one of their languages is Dakota, for which the word for water is mni, M-N-I. Mm-hmm. And that combined with the Greek word for city makes mini, Minneapolis. The city of water. Um, and, and that's thought to be a name that basically pays tribute to the town's lakes. It was originally called, I, I'm not going to pronounce this correctly, but the Dakota language originally called it Biriota Othundwe, Many Lakes City. It was going to be pronounced, it was going to be renamed um, Albion by settlers originally. We like calling things Albion because that's one of the old names for Britain and we're very vain. <laughs> um, interestingly, Sydney in Australia was also almost called Albion because, you know, the Brits. I mean, what but, I find uh, interesting about that is that there are, as far as I'm aware, there are no cities called Albion. Certainly no major cities. The name Minneapolis is attributed to Charles Hoke, um, the city's first schoolmaster, who apparently suggested... I'm a little confused on the timeline for this because apparently in 1852 he suggested Minneapolis derived from Minnehaha the fictional Native American from the poem Hiawatha which was written in 1855 so not too sure on the chronology there Um, you know people say that Minnehaha means laughing water it actually means rapid or curling water or a waterfall Um, but again it uses mini the Dakota word for water Mm mm-hmm so uh, Minnesota, naturally, similar origin. It means either clear blue water or cloudy water, depending on which Dakota language word was actually used. That's really poetic. So I think that's a that's beautiful. I mean, I came across so many words that were just named after a, a white military guy in America when I was looking for their city names. And this one, I feel like, is a much happier hybrid of wanting to pay tribute to what it was originally called what the people who who lived there first called it and you know with a bunch of westernized ideals (laughs) smothered over it because how else do we do things but you know an attempt was made (laughs) kudos the past you were 10 percent good yeah (laughs) i like that let's uh shall we leave it there that's a good one to finish on i think okay so um if those are all our real cities, we kind of, we considered doing made-up words, renaming cities, but I'm not too happy with the idea of renaming cities that we don't have much of a claim to to start with, so we're more comfortable talking about fictional cities, is that right? Yes, that's for, that's what we're going to do for the second section of our podcast, which we call... Any other words? Any other names? Damn it! <laughs> <laughs> it's my first time! <laughs> It's not my first time, I should know better. It's your first time introducing this section. So I looked up a few of these, so I picked the ones that I was really keen on. Uh, I really like pandemonium. Ooh, yes. So how much do you know about pandemonium? I imagine 
Does it mean place of all demons? It does mean place of all demons. Yeah. As Pan as in everything and demonium being a diminutive uh, form of demon. It was named by John Milton in Paradise Lost mm-hmm. and has, has come to mean just absolute chaos. Yeah. Barely restrained chaos. And I, I really like that the sort of mytho... I, I like it when words have stories behind them and pandemonium is a classic example of that because there is literally a story behind it. It's fantastic. Yes, I love that. I also played to my strengths. I picked a few places that, uh, that I'm very fond of. I was a huge Narnia nerd when I was a kid. I absolutely adored the Narnia books, all of them. And I was obsessed with Care Paravel. So Care Paravel is the name of the castle and the city that was at the heart of Narnia, the capital city, when the Pevensey children were on the thrones. When they were the kings and queens of Narnia, their castle was at Care Paravel. Mm-hmm. And it's from Old English, which I thought would appeal to you. Okay, it does, yes. Fantastic. So, we've got two parts. We've got the word care, meaning court, and paravel, which means lesser or under. Interesting. Which was meant to imply that while they were powerful, while they were the kings and queens, they were still under Aslan. They were a lesser authority. (laughs) That appeals to me because they're beautiful sounding words. They kind of hit the same spot as Celador for me. Okay, okay, so to get fully into my nerdy moment, the reason that I'm so obsessed with this is because there's this visual of um, Lucy when she goes back to Care Paravel after their centuries away by accident where she finds a golden knight from a chess set that has a ruby eye missing and the picture of that on the front cover and just how vividly it was described just really stuck with me I'm kind of a chess nerd as well so I just I don't know yeah Care Paravel was always important to me so I love coming back to it as an adult and finding out what C.S. Lewis was thinking when he named it (laughs) that I like I really like that um, Feel free to cut out 80% of that. No, 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 that's that's all good stuff. <laughs> have you got another one for us? I do have another one for us. So, um, how much do you know about the City of Gold, the mythical City of Gold? Oh, yes, uh, uh, everything that was in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> so, El Dorado, the, the name for the mythical City of Gold in South America. I was a big fan of the the series, The Mysterious Cities of Gold. Mm. Um, growing up like that it turned me into a nerd that's one of the reasons <laughs> I'm a nerd sure blame um, that because you know it was it had a historical setting had educational content and it was a long-form anime of the kind that I've watched many of since so <laughs> we can solidly blame that as uh, one of the reasons I am the terrible way I am <laughs> So I looked into into the etymology of the name El Dorado, which is the Spanish name for the city of gold, meaning essentially like El meaning of or from and Dorado meaning gold. Okay. Um, so I looked into where Dorado as a word comes from. Mm. Uh, Spanish is a Latin language, so it comes from late Latin, dorare. And the word dorare comes from de, which means like from, and oro, meaning gold. Mm-hmm. So it goes all the way back to uh, the the Latin word for gold. Yeah, yeah. No, I really like that. I got to I got to oro, and I I yeah, I saw that coming a little way off, but I'd never thought of breaking down El Dorado. I guess Dorado means um, made of gold. Is the ardo suffix like yeah? Yes, it does. It is. There was there's a step that I skipped out, which is Dora. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Dora means gold as well. Yeah. Oh, that's a really lovely name to have. <laughs> so wait, does El Dorado mean of of gold? 
<laughs> mm. It means of from gold, yeah. Of from gold. From from of gold. <laughs> Good work, history, you yes. dummy. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Yeah. Right, that's very cool. And has given me many happy thoughts about Miguel and Tulio because uh, they too are big old nerds. <laughs> so my next one is Rivendell from Lord okay. of the Rings. So it's an elf city uh, in Middle-earth, basically run by Elrond. Um, if you know some old... Uh, is it Old English or would they be Irish words? I should have checked. But um, basically Dell means valley and Riven means cleft or split, so it just means a really deeply split valley. And um, the Sindarin name Imladris had exactly the same meaning. Sindarin, of course, is a conlang, or constructed language, because Tolkien was a big old nerd. I was about to say, did you did you have to read the Silmarillion to understand all this? Oh, good lord. Um, I attempted that once. It didn't go well. <laughs> Tolkien basically wrote the stories set in Middle-earth so that he had a place for the languages to live. He was so, so obsessed with them, and he put so much love into them. Like, clearly, really, really cared about what he was doing. This might explain why I've never made it more than three pages into Lord of the Rings. Really? I'm, I'm not a fan. No, fair enough. So, I went back to Britain. I'm interested in the names that are around me. Mm-hmm. What do you understand the word Camelot to mean, if anything? Ah, lots of camels. <laughs> so... There are many etymologies um, to Camelot. One one interesting one is that it's a, a sort of derivation of Cavalon, which was ah. itself a corruption of Avalon. Yeah. Um, so that's like several different myths, like Avalon being the, the mythical island. Um, it's a mythical island associated with Arthurian myth. Hmm. Apparently influenced by the Breton place name Cavalon. Right. Which which did exist. That was non-mythical. Right, okay. Cavalon real, Avalon fake, Camelot mythical. Yes. Nice. Um so there's another another theory that it is derived from uh Camaludnum, which was mm-hmm. uh one of the first capitals of Roman Britain. It sounds Roman, yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's interesting that Arthurian myth specifically tends to, like these days, we tend to assume, yeah, that's all fake because there's not a lot of historical record for it. Um, mm. But in the sort of re- not not too distant past, you know, within the last thousand years, it was considered like historical fact. Right. So there, it's sort of woven into to British culture in many different ways, and I find Arthurian legend specifically really, really interesting for understanding the British identity and history. Oh gosh, you could write a paper on that. That sounds like a fascinating field of research. I couldn't write it. One one could write it. One certainly. could write that, certainly. Yeah, yeah. Why are we the way that we are as a nation? Well, it goes back to a bloke and his mates and a table. Yeah, who were probably French. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Almost <laughs> certainly. <laughs> yeah, so that was the that was the last one I had. Lush. Okay, well I really like that. Um, I wanted to touch on Sunnydale because I'm also a Buffy the Vampire Slayer nerd. But yeah, so Sunnydale uh, means Sunny Valley. Uh, also considered by the fictional founder of Sunnydale, Sunny were um, Happydale and Sunny Acres. Mm. Um, there was a Navajo Slayer 
canonically died there and then Richard Wilkins, who founded the town, he made a pact with the demons to do so uh, so that they could feed upon humans and give him immortality in exchange. Uh, thus began a long history of white men covering up that town's terrible secret. I really liked that they they wove that into the story's fiction. That Sunnydale isn't just a dramatic irony, it's also uh, intentional misinformation as part of a marketing campaign. <laughs> <laughs> That's very on board for, like, very on brand is, for all yeah. place names. <laughs> let's, call it, uh, let's call it Greenland and just hope no one checks. Yep. <laughs> and the one final little place uh, etymology I wanted to tell you was that Gotham means goat town. Goat town, really? It means goat town, yes. It was the nickname for New York for some time, borrowed from there to lend to Batman's universe, but it means goat town. Goat ham, yeah, of course. Ham, of course, being the suffix that means town, yeah. <laughs> and that's that's not as in great, greatest of all time, that is actual goats. <laughs> yeah that is the animal <laughs> the stinky ones <laughs> so I, I don't know why i wanted to end us there but i guess i did i enjoyed it i did not know that again that's another new york fact you've just taught me i'm doing so well <laughs> okay well in that case uh, my name is anna and you can find me on twitter at boots Magoot. and my name is james and you can find me on twitter at james hunt we have a joint podcast Twitter account at WIAN Podcast for What's in a Name Podcast, where you can find subscription links and um, general word related nonsense that we like and retweet. <laughs> and some sarcastic stuff from me. And sometimes that, which I, <laughs> which I post enjoy. on the train. <laughs> <laughs> if I'm nice. bored on the train, I'm like, I'll just post some content on the, on the joint Twitter account. Why not? Beautiful use of your time, IMO. Keep that brand strong. <laughs> <laughs> So thank you for joining us, everybody. Uh, we will be back next week, um, as long as, you know, the rains don't come and the creek don't rise. <laughs> thank you. Goodbye. Thank you very much. Goodbye. Extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com.